All right, a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. I wish we had the rights to use Frank Sinatra's New York, New York as our intro music because it would be very fitting for today. But instead, we're just going to hit the normal intro music and then we're going to get right into this amazing interview we have planned for you guys today. All right, Jack, I know we are both extremely excited for today's episode, you as a Yankee fan and me as a baseball fan in general, because this is truly a special episode today that we have for you guys today. It is three-time Emmy Award winner and the director of the Derek Jeter documentary, The Captain. Randy Wilkins is going to be joining us today to talk about all things Yankees, the documentary, Derek Jeter, and everything you could possibly imagine. So before we check in with Randy, Jack, how are you feeling today? Because we're also recording the day after Josh Donaldson hit a walk-off grand slam. So you're definitely in a high mood today. As someone who was in the stadium and stayed till the very end yesterday, that was quite the moment. I mean, there's two very obnoxious Rays fans right behind us. So that was you know, a lot, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, we're coming off a big high, much needed win, you know, to avoid total, total, you know, um, epitome and like, you know, sorrow after getting swept at home by the Rays. So fantastic, fantastic morning for me. Sounds great. All right. And obviously, Randy is a huge Yankee fan as well, who witnessed all of Derek Jeter's highs and lows in his career, as well as definitely a huge Yankee fan of the 2022 team. So, Randy, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing much better uh, (laughs) after the Grand Slam than I would be if he didn't hit a Grand Slam. So uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Thanks for having me. All good. So, Jack, I know you have a bunch of questions about the documentary, both making it and all the everything that we saw in it. Derek Jeter's career. I know Jack and I saw probably the end of Jeter's career. We definitely were alive for most of it, but probably don't remember a ton of it, but definitely got an eventful and experienced uh, sort of time watching the documentary and learning all about Jeter on the field and off the field. So, Jack, if you want to get us started, go for it. I think just yes, I think Derek kind of addressed this. I mean, kind of like through his K Rod, uh, you know, interview and all that. But like, what kind of you think was the inspiration for you guys to make this doc? I know it's drawn lots of comparisons to Last Dance, especially because you know uh, Jordan was someone who took part in the documentary. But just overall, what uh, what led you guys to want to uh, make this kind of documentary, especially because I know they're talking about for generation, um, Mr. Jeter's young children, and then also just document and have such a great team and put it out and make it for the public to see. Well, it wasn't my idea to do a doc on Derek Jeter, uh, because I never thought he would make one, <laughs> to be quite honest. Uh, I know you guys didn't really look through most of his career, but he's notoriously famous for being extremely private and <clears throat> protecting the people that he cares about and kind of giving these bland answers to the press. So he was probably the last athlete that I thought would ever agree to do a documentary on himself. Um, but I was approached uh, by Spike Lee um, during uh, June of 2020. So like when the pandemic was like really raging and people were still on lockdown and he asked me who my favorite Yankee was and I immediately said Derek Jeter, but I thought it was odd because obviously there were no sports being played. Like there was no MLB season. I think they were still trying to figure out what that season was going to look like. Um, So I was a little lost. And then Spike said, well, 
uh, Derek wants to do a documentary on his life and career. And I said that you were the perfect guy to direct it. And I was in shock. One, because <laughs> Derek was doing a doc, but two, that I might have this opportunity to tell Derek's story. So um, that was how I was introduced to the project. And Derek, um, he's mentioned this a couple of times now, but he wanted to do it because he had the Hall of Fame call back in 2020 as well. And he had a camera crew there so he could document the experience and have some kind of record of it. And I think during that process and being with his family, he realized my kids never saw me play. Like he intentionally didn't have a family when he was playing because he knew he would be too selfish and he wouldn't really uh, be as available for his family because his career came first. So I think he started thinking about it and was like, look, like my kids never saw me play. This is a record of my life prior to them being around. You know, he jokes that he doesn't think that his daughters will actually ever watch the captain. Uh, but, you know, that was that was an impetus for us. So he wanted to have some record for his daughters so they could, you know, find out a little bit about their dad before they came around. So obviously it seems like the camera was with him at the very beginning. I remember there's that video of sort of when he gets the draft call by the Yankees and then at the end when he gets into the Hall of Fame. And then obviously you were with him with a camera a lot, speaking a lot of interviews with him. So sort of. For people who don't know Derek Jeter as well as you now do, which is probably the majority of the world, sort of who is Derek Jeter, the person? He obviously seems like a great guy and everything like that. So you've definitely gotten to know him well over the last year plus. Yeah, I mean, he's a genuinely good guy. You know, sometimes people say, don't meet your heroes, but he's <laughs> one of those people that I think like you should meet if you have the opportunity. Um, he's very genuine. He's very uh convicted in his beliefs um he has a very strong moral foundation uh he believes in trust and loyalty um i think he genuinely believes in being a good person to others he's he's very aware of the impact and platform that he has and he takes that seriously he's a direct reflection of his parents who are two incredible people it's almost as if they're not really real you know that's that's how nice and giving and just supportive they are i mean they're strict you know they yeah. they they had guidelines and rules they had boundaries that were set but it was all under the the notion of making their children the best that they could possibly be you know that they it wasn't just just to have it just to be a disciplinarian that was they wanted their children to experience as many great things as they possibly could and i think that that's reflected in derek uh, it's reflected in his his sister Charlie. He's a great guy, and and I don't mean that just to say it because we did this film. He, you could just tell. Um, but he's also very intense, extremely competitive. He has a side where you know it's, it's documented in the film. You know, if you cross him, he's done. He has a very small circle. He really believes in loyalty because that's important to him, and he and that's what he shows others. So I think he's a, a complex guy. You know, I think as a baseball player, we, we try to minimize who these people are uh, personality-wise, character-wise, but Derek's pretty complex, and I think he's a great guy. Yeah, I remember reading, you know, when he put his contract out, because, you know, I mean, myself, probably like thousands of kids had to sign my contracts inspired by that same premise. <laughs> and I think I would say he had, you know, I, his agent probably didn't go as good a job in that for his parents, because I think you know, very, very strict uh, in terms of boundaries. But then also, you know, I think going into this, you know, the core four, someone like Michael Kay, you know, there are several people who we expected to be interviewed and be a part of this. 
Is there anyone in particular you thought, you know, you maybe got some really um, strong stuff that, you know, some really good material out of any of the in interviews in particular that really contributed to the documentary in like a unique way out of all these, you know, extensive people from vast backgrounds you had to get in touch with? Uh, I would say Gerald Williams. Uh, Gerald and Derek were very close. Uh, he's the guy that basically took Derek under his wing when he first got into pro ball. I think... Jerry, Gerald had a very unique ability to succinctly describe who Derek is while making it sound enlightening at the same time. Like, you know, we, we had talked to a lot of people. We had talked to Derek by that point. But it just felt like Gerald was able to just capture his essence so succinctly and beautifully that you know, I, he left a lasting impression on all of us. And this is before he unfortunately passed away. Like right after that interview, we felt we knew Derek in a different manner. I think Derek's mom was also fantastic. She kind of became the emotional spine for a lot of the film. I think Daryl Strawberry was great. I think because of Daryl's experiences and also another older player that took Derek under his wing, he had a very unique perspective on on Derek and his relationship with Derek and how important Derek was to the Yankees and the New York City. So I think that Daryl has a very specific perspective that that added a lot to the film. I think CeCe Sabathia was great. It was almost as if CeCe was Derek's little brother, even though he's bigger than uh, Derek. But CeCe also had a great perspective on Derek as well because now Derek's the captain. You know, he has all these championships and he's bringing this – this younger ace and to bring him into the fold, make him comfortable so they can win more. So I think they're, you know, throughout the timeline, I think if you look at different people and where they come into Derek's life, they, they offered a lot of varying perspectives on Derek. I think it's also fun to see this different side of Derek Jeter that a lot of us didn't know, as you mentioned earlier, people who grew up listening and watching and seeing Derek Jeter sort of saw those plain and very simple vanilla answers that he would give in post-game press conferences, but also, fun to see in this I think it was probably Hannah Jeter gave a lot of that perspective of what he's really like now behind the scenes as well as I loved when you did sort of you'd have the writer would say something about Derek and then it's almost as if you fed Derek that line and then Derek would sort of not go off on that writer but sort of you know heavily criticize slash question what that writer just said about him so sort of what was that like to see this sort of different side of Derek whether it was with because of all the stuff that Hannah gave you guys but also his fun interactions with some of the quotes he probably fed him from the writers. I think it's just reflective of his personality. I mean, he has, he's a very funny guy. He has a quick wit, you know, and he's a guy that, you know, he'll, he'll talk trash. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, he's, he's a competitor, you know, I, I know that like a lot of times that they'll show Derek smiling and having fun, but <laughs> He's an intense competitor, and he, like I said before, he has very strong beliefs in himself, and he he has he's very strong in his conviction. So, you know, he's a complex guy, and you know, if 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 you slight him, he's going to get back at you. You know, he he doesn't mind a clap back here and there, which uh, I think we can all respect, uh, especially in the age of social media. So, <laughs> I think, you know people have perspectives we wanted to make sure that everybody gave their truth and said things that they believed was true and how they perceive things we didn't want this to be a puff piece so despite 
Derek responding, it's important that people gave us their opinions. You know what I mean? Like Buster yeah. only felt certain ways and Joel Sherman felt certain <laughs> ways. And Gary Sheffield explained why he said Derek wasn't all the way black. And, you know, Alex Rodriguez gave his perspective on things. We wanted people to have an opportunity to, to say how they felt. And, you know, Derek has the right to respond, but you don't really have that if people aren't comfortable enough to, to, give their opinion in the first place. So um, I think through that you reveal or we see a lot of uh, Derek's personality in, in a lot of different scenarios. I think going back to Alex, because I think their relationship is one of the core aspects and like one of the most like some probably one of the most intriguing parts of the whole documentary talking about. I think it's like everyone had a vague understanding before, like how they were so tight. And then, you know, the public comments were out there. And then now I think it was kind of like an ambiguity. Like, what is it? What is their current state? And I think both their interview together on K-Rod and like just the documentary as a whole kind of shed some light. What did you perceive as like just going back and digging down into that like complex relationship and like just seeing how the two of them responded to like questions about one another and like what you think the current state of the relationship may be now, even after post the, you know, the documentary's release? Uh, I think it's probably a little bit better now. I mean, you can't really unravel 15, <laughs> 20 years of, you know, being at odds in 20 minutes, you know? So I think that if they're committed to repairing their relationship, it's going to take a while. I think that it was important that Derek did go on K-Rod. I think it was important that Derek and Alex both spoke their truths in the documentary. I think at some point, you got to let that stuff go. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We have to remember that Derek Jeter was – very rare in the sense that he understood how to treat the media and he understood the role of the media. That is incredibly rare for a star to understand how the media works at like 21, 22. And I think Alex was kind of on the other end of the spectrum that he wanted to be a star. So his understanding of the media was vastly different than Derek's. And he probably, as a as a younger player and as a younger man, didn't understand that there's there are rules to the game when it comes to the media. And I think that led to their clash, you know, and, and it, it went from there. So um, I appreciate both of them being honest about how they felt about things. They didn't really run away from it. Um, I hope that things get better because I, I do think – I agree with Hannah when you just say, you know, it's – like, it's time to move on. You know, Derek lost Jared Williams. Derek has kids now. Uh, he kind of buried the hatchet with Brian Cashman. I think that at this point, it's important to do that with A-Rod as well. And I think it's also great that this didn't happen immediately after he retired, but there sort of were these, it's almost 10 years now, which is crazy to think it's almost been 10 years since Derek Jeter's last game, but there's definitely been time in between when he last played versus now where he's at. And I guess sort of you probably experienced Derek's entire career witnessing all the World Series, the final hit, and everything to do with that. So you, as as you mentioned earlier, Derek Jeter is your favorite player growing up, your favorite guy ever. So do you have a specific moment that you're like, that's my Derek Jeter moment, and that's what I love the most about him type of thing? Uh, Honestly, I think it was opening day of 96 Mm -hmm. because – is much different now because the Yankees are incredibly successful and they've been successful for a very long period of time. But 
95, 96, you had this very um, new enthusiasm and energy for the Yankees. You know, they were kind of teasing it, teasing it, and you felt like, oh, they might have a chance, and then they lose in uh, the playoffs to Seattle, and then you're like, oh, man, now we got to start all over again. And back then, at least for me, I didn't really pay attention to prospects. You know, that that, that was a very, like, niche thing back then. You know, it wasn't as available. There was no social media. There were very few publications that were dedicated just to minor league baseball. So you hear about these guys in spring training. So you see him and you're like, oh, okay, this is a young guy. He might be pretty good. Okay, whatever. His name's Derek Jeter, blah, blah, blah. And then you see the first game in Cleveland and you're like, oh, my God, we're going to win the World Series. Like, it, it went from – man, they have a chance to – this guy's going to win the World Series for us because he, he was doing things you hadn't seen a shortstop with the Yankees do. You know, he was hitting – he had a bomb. He made that over-the-shoulder catch in left field, and he, he just looked like he belonged. And you could tell right away that he was a player. And I'll never forget that game. I, I'll never forget uh, in 96 how excited Phil Rizzuto was watching Derek Jeter play. And it was like he had the immediate stamp of approval from Phil Rizzuto. And because of that, you you were like, okay, well, if Scooter <laughs> believes in him, then I'm going to believe in him. Like, he's seeing what I'm seeing. So, really, it was the opening day because I think he, he just gave us hope. He just – it was like, okay, this is going to happen. Like, he's going to – we're going to win. You know what I mean? He just added a different uh, personality to the team. And then, you know, now I think Dylan did mention before the episode, like you've done several projects before, very accomplished. But I think some, there's a uniqueness about this in terms of like sitting down with all these like extremely accomplished people. What do you think it was like for you, you know, to get the chance to talk with all these people on the conversational level, several of whom are very accomplished. And you're, you know, you're discussing probably one of, if not the largest figures in American sports history. So, you know, what kind of impact do you think that had on you to, you know, to be the director in terms of such a significant project like this? Oh, I mean, it's surreal. You know, one day I'm talking to Derek Jeter, the next day I'm talking to Michael Jordan, and then I'm talking to Reggie Jackson and Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner. Like, nobody talks to those guys really, <laughs> like, one-on-one. Uh, Susan Waldman. I mean, I, I got to meet Susan Waldman and John Sterling. You know what I mean? So – uh, it was very surreal. But I also think you just learn what it takes to be great. You learn how to excel at your profession. You understand the ups and downs that come along with being at the top of your industry. You know what I mean? And the complications that come along with it, the perks that come along with it, the sacrifices that are needed. Um, you just learn about what it takes to be at the top of your profession and how to stay there. And I think it's very important for anyone to be around that if you have particular goals in mind. So to me, I want to be the greatest director ever. I want to be like, at the, you know, when people mention great filmmakers, I want them to mention my name. So when you're around people that have actually accomplished that and um, people that know what that actual experience is, like you listen to them and you try to like take little nuggets and, it's not just with your performance, with whatever job you do or whatever your passion is. It's how you live your life, you know, how you treat others, uh, how you have to protect yourself to a certain degree, how you have to be mindful of people who will come in and out of your life. So 
you know, if you're really paying attention, you, you pick those things up, but um, yeah, I mean, it was all surreal. I mean, it's, I, I couldn't, if you told me this like three years ago, I wouldn't <laughs> believe you, let alone like, you know, when I was watching Derek in 96. So uh, yes, yeah, it's it pretty incredible. Absolutely. And obviously this was an amazing experience that took, it sounds like roughly three years to finally put together. It was also definitely well worth it. It came out to be an amazing seven part project. You guys can all watch on ESPN plus, which I assume every Yankee fan that is listening to this right now has definitely seen at least part of it, if not all of it, but definitely make sure to check it out from episodes one to seven. And then I know sort of, I guess it's kind of a two part question that Derek, obviously, once his playing career was over, went down to Miami. Um, he sort of took that ownership group on and was part of that group. And I was fortunate enough to meet him there. And he seemed really happy. I somehow somehow lucked into being a ball boy for a weekend with the Marlins and got to meet Mr. Jeter. And it was a great experience. And he seemed to be having a lot of fun with that. But obviously, as we saw from the doc, he eventually did move on from that. So sort of as a guy that just got to see a lot of Derek Jeter, both personally as well as baseball-wise, what do you think he's going to go up to next in his career after this whole thing is up? And then also on your front, now that you've sort of had this massive capstone project that is amazing and shows your Yankee fandom, what's next on the horizon for you as well? Well, I think for Derek, he's really going to pursue some of his business interests. I think that he's able to really focus on a lot of different things now because he doesn't have that incredible responsibility of helping to run a major league franchise. I think he's, even more entrenched with being a dad and being around for his girl. So I think he's also living the family life. I, and I know that he says that he doesn't want to do it again, but pardon me. And this is just me. It's yeah. not anything that he told me, but I strongly believe that if another opportunity came up to be a part of an ownership group, he would pursue it. I don't, I don't think he's done with that dream. Um, I think the way that things ended with the Marlins, left a bad taste in his mouth. And I think part of his reaction now is probably reflection of that bad taste in his mouth. But I think that the game is much better with Derek Jeter in it. And I think that he knows that. And I just think he loves baseball. So I can't really see him walking away from the league or the game for the rest of his life. Uh, as for me, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm hanging out right now. You know, I'm taking a break. So, um, I'm not rushing into a project. I want to make sure it's the right project. Like, I really want to take another leap uh, career-wise. I don't want to just take anything just to say that I have it or people to say, this guy directed the captain, let's just give him anything. Um, so there, there are definitely goals I have for my career, and there's there are places that I want to be. So I want to make sure that I'm making the right decisions and working with the right people and things like that. So as of right now, I'm just going to hang out. Uh, I might go to the pool a couple more times. <laughs> uh, I'll hang out with my dog and, uh, you know, I'll figure something out, but it'll, I'll, I'm pretty sure something will, will come out soon. And, and one last question for you. So, you know, I know the Yankees started off historically this year. I think the headline as of now has to be Aaron judge with putting up not just the best season of his career so far, but arguably the best of any Yankee in history. Um, how active, based on like your interaction with Jeter, 
And, you know, how I know we briefly talked about it, but how active does he follow this team? And if so, because just because the I think the number of parallels people are drawing, I know like the significant increase in power, it wasn't really there, but the comparisons between Jader and Judge have been numerous. And especially because I said, well, he doesn't have the title, Aaron Judge, for lack of, you know, there's no official name. He is the captain of the New York Yankees. If you look at how he commands the locker room and that kind of presence. So, you know, how do you think Jeter views kind of his successor, and then also the fact that the possibility that if Judge is extended, that he could be named, you know, the title that Jeter owned for uh, for 13, for 11 years? Um, I think Derek is well aware of what Aaron Judge <laughs> is doing. Uh, I think he thinks it's a remarkable season. I think that he roots for the Yankees. You know, he wants them to do well. Um, but, yeah, I think he's like everybody else. It's just like, Wow, like this is incredible. This is a crazy run. You know, I, I, I guess the closest that Derek was around to that was someone in pinstripes was A-Rod. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's he's excited for him. I, I never spoke to uh, Derek about Judge eventually becoming the captain. Um, I'm not sure if that will happen officially. I'm not sure if Aaron Judge will ever be officially the captain, you know, just talking to people. Like it, the impression that they have is Brian Cashman would rather stay away from that, um, because for whatever reason. Uh, but that's things that people had told me. I don't know if that's like necessarily true or not. I think the first thing is getting Aaron Judge extended and making sure that he's a Yankee for life before we can talk about being a captain. Uh, he needs to get a very big check and stay with the Yankees. Um, so I think all that stuff is like secondary right now. I think it's just win a world series, get your big deal with the Yankees. And then we could talk about being captain later. You know, he has to make sure that he's still a Yankee, uh, in order for that to happen. So I think it's, it's a case of first things first, and then, uh, let's worry about that down the line. I mean, I would love for Aaron judge to come cross town and become the Mets. Of course you would. Of course you would. (laughs) Yeah, uh, we would not like that. We would <laughs> not like that. Uh, he's fit for the navy blue pinstripes, so uh, hopefully it I... would look a little weird if he did end up switching. I think he's one of those yeah. guys, just like Jeter, just like yourself, that it seems like the Yankee blood is ingrained in you guys, and it's going to be pretty impossible to get you guys to come switch over and do anything for the Mets type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we definitely appreciate Jack. I don't know if you have anything else to add for Randy. We definitely appreciate all of the time you gave us today, the insight, the fun, the laughs, the inside look at Derek Jeter and yourself, as well as all the great names that you shouted out there. I'm sure it was great to interview Derek's parents, Hannah Jeter, all of the core four members and everyone else that you met along the way in this great journey. So unless there's anything else, either of you guys want to add in, Randy, if you want to give a shout out sort of where our fans, our listeners can find you, Twitter, Instagram, anything like that. Obviously, go watch the captain on ESPN Plus, but anything else you want to throw in there? Uh yeah, go watch the captain. It's very good. Uh <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Pam Sun, P-A-M-S-S-O-N. And I'm on Instagram at Ravishing Randy Rude, uh, which is a nod to the old school wrestler Ravishing Rick Rude. So uh that's where you can find me on social media. I'll be talking a lot of crap about the Yankees. So <laughs> you know you can find me there and for your guys sake i hope you guys are the american league champions this champions this year maybe we have a repeat of 2000 but a different team's winning at this time because you guys have 27 (laughs) we just documented the last 
five or so that you guys had in the last 20 years or so. It's think 1986 is a long time ago. My dad was young back then. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is, it is. It, it might have to last a little longer if they be in the World Series. Might have to get 28 and uh, hope you guys can figure it out later. Yeah. 2019 and 2021 add years to the Yankees have been without because if you have that pain in the playoffs, that supersedes not making it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, a couple more years won't let you guys. It's been long enough. You can figure it out another year. <laughs> I don't know. We have Steve Cohen now. We're working on some progress, but obviously. Good luck. <laughs> uh, we appreciate all the time and insight that you gave us today. So, Jack, unless there's anything else, I think we're all good. So, Randy, for James, Jill, for James, Dylan, and Jack, until the next time, thank you so much, Randy, for joining us today. And the side is retired. Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SideRetiredPod in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including the New York Mets, New York Yankees, and Big Time Rush. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for the rest of today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Well, Jack, that was a great interview we just had with Randy Wilkins, the director of The Captain. I know I had a blast, and I'm pretty sure you as a diehard Yankees fan did as well. Of course, you know, I think we got some really, you know, current Yankees, lots of stuff about really good incident because of making the documentary, so we must, definitely must listen for all Yankees and baseball fans. And of course, you can check us out as well as a bunch of clips from this episode on our YouTube, on our Twitter, on our Instagram, at SideRetiredPod for all of those, as well as our brand new website, SideRetiredPod.com. But definitely check out The Captain, all seven parts on ESPN+, Plus, directed by our great guest just now, Randy Wilkins, and starring Derek Jeter, Hannah Jeter, the core four, Derek's parents, and everyone else to do with that. So for Dylan, James, Jack, and Randy, until the next time, The Side is Retired.